show me. Have you failed at something? Because if you're not pushing yourself, you're not experimenting. If you're not experimenting, you're not failing. If you're not failing, you're not innovative, right? So failure is a huge part of, of being innovative. But most companies, most SMEs today don't accept failure. You're going to do a complex piece of sussing out what this company is about. You're going to go to LinkedIn. You're going to see what people talk about there. Who could be your hiring manager or your boss? What does that person stand for? Do they have any content that they're putting out? So it's all these multiple things that you're going to create a perception. Welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning is a show about learning in the 21st century. Through interviews with leaders, entrepreneurs, and educators, we explore technology, trends, and insight of learning for professional and organizational development. There is a high price to pay when organizations become toxic. Toxic cultures can severely impact the well-being of its employees and the organization, such as high employee turnover, low levels of productivity, losing talents and clients, or even attracting lawsuits due to unaddressed discrimination, abuse, scandals, or corruption. Some famous examples are Uber under the leadership of Travis Kalanick and Theranos under the leadership of Elizabeth Holmes, the blood testing company that never happened. If toxic cultures are so bad for business, why does it take so long for toxicity to be recognized? What are the telltale signs? How can we prevent organizations from becoming toxic? Joining us is Ashok Miranda, a business transformation architect and the founder of Transform and Transcend. He is also a sought-after speaker, consultant, trainer, and author of the book Culling Culturitis. The book talks about how to spot early signs of toxic culture infestation, how to take corrective action fast, and a step-by-step guide to creating your winning company culture and much more. Welcome to the show, Ashok. Thank you for having me, Lening, and nice to be here. Great to have you here. Mind if you could share a little bit more about yourself to our listeners and how did you get to where you are today? Right. So I, I've been in the corporate world for about 16 years. Um, I spent uh, 10 wonderful years with Disney, working my way up in that company. And then I joined um, Sony Pictures. And so um, I was helping friends and CEOs with their companies and, you know, uh, mentoring startups and uh, just trying to find what, what really I wanted to do. And what I realized was the essence of companies. I think the, the problem really wasn't really about branding or customer experience or, or marketing. It was really culture. Because if you don't have this, this DNA or core essence sorted out in your company, nothing that you do really matters. And so I found that, oh, that is my calling and what I have to do. I believe it's the one thing that really moves the needle for your business, especially in, in times like these where everyone's looking to, you know, hire the best talent, retain them, create great work environments where people are passionate. You know, I, I get this so often. 
I need passion in my people. I said, look at your culture. You know, you do have a culture that really drives that, that nurtures that. And, I, you know, going back to it, a lot of people, the problem in the market, Erling, is that a lot of companies really haven't thought about culture. It's an afterthought. They leave it to chance. And when you do that, the culture will manage you rather than you managing the culture. And that's, that's a huge problem that we see today. You know, many companies have culturitis and it drags them down. It's quite ironic, though, because when I do speak to people who are still in corporates, they speak about how the company's culture is like. And when I have friends going into interviews, one of the common questions is, what is the company's culture like? So even though there's a lot of talk around it, but it also sounds like there's not a lot of action taken to manage the culture within an organization. How do you describe what is a toxic culture? So there are many signs. I mean, the outward manifestation is the end result of what we see is, you know, loss of market share, profitability, companies not doing well, uh, very few people applying for positions, you know, the word out there. Today, we live in a very transparent world. You just have to go to a site like Glassdoor to see how companies are doing, right? In my talks, I, I always use the, the fun uh, line. When you go to Vegas, what happens at Vegas stays in Vegas. But what happens in your company doesn't stay in your company anymore. It's all out there. We're living in a new transparent world. So today, you can companies are rated based on their culture. CEOs are rated based on their work ethic and how they work. And so it's all there for the world to see. And unfortunately, when you go to a site like Glassdoor, you see majority of companies just with major issues of culture, right? And, and it's, it's quite vocal. A lot of employees talking about stuff. So going back to toxicity. There are several ways. So you see this big outward manifestation, but it starts with small things. I list several of these in my book. Uh, a heads down culture, but nobody looks at each other in the office. It's really quiet. You get a sense like you're in a morgue. You're not in a, in a work environment, really. Um, very silo. No one cross-pollinates ideas across there. Uh, meetings are just one way where the meeting organizer or the boss just talks and no one else responds. People just max out their sick leave. People just can't wait to get out of the door when it's like 5.30 or 6 in the evening. There's nothing beyond just, okay, this is my work. I won't do anything more than this. There's no meaningful work. There's really nothing. They're contributing to anything bigger. There's no passion. And you, you see these, these are the small things that start manifesting. There's corridor cliques. There's whisper culture. You know, there's just several things that we can spot earlier on. And I've listed uh, a bunch of them in the, in the book. But we generally see the bigger results, the outward manifestation of, of culture, which really drags companies down. Yeah, all those signs of toxic culture, they sound really familiar based on horror stories from my own friends. What do you think are the causes of toxic culture? Well, the moment you, have, you put people together, you have some sort of a culture where you have two or three or four people, right? I think the number one thing is, is alignment. You need to give people a sense of the why or why they're doing what they're doing. What is the company about? What really are we here for? What is the purpose of the company? And, and a lot of companies haven't defined this. When you join a company, the typical first day is here's your door pass. You know, IT will come and set up your computer. You will probably get a small business presentation from your boss. And your work is that small little cubicle and you're sitting down there and say, this is, I've got to send a few emails. I've got to do this. This is my tasks. People don't get a bigger sense of what they, why they're there. You know, what am I part of here? What am I doing? What is this company really about? And so uh, other than just doing your daily grind, there's nothing more that drives you. So you look for other people there and then the conversations start and there's no alignment. Some companies are obsessed with their bottom line and that's all they talk about. So there's no really bigger picture to this. And so 
when there is no framework and there is no bigger picture or you don't get a sense of why you're working for this company, there is no belief system in this company that has been shared with you as opposed to, you know, just get your work done. But here's what we believe. Here's our values. Here's what we genuinely believe in. And here's how we behave as well in our company. Here's how we expect it to behave as human beings. Sir. So once that hasn't been articulated, then you're just letting this thing happen. And that starts going out of control, right? Then you can't control it. So the sharp companies, the ones that are hugely successful, very successful, have created a culture template, a playbook. This is how we run our company, an operating system for the company. Now, as you know, we have SOPs for everything, right? We have processes, systems, SOPs. But guess what? We don't have an SOP for running the company. That's what's missing. I know a lot of companies, they, you know, if you go to their website, what you see in the about page are like the vision, mission. These are our values. But quite often, it's words on a poster and there's a disconnect between what is written on the website and on posters as compared to the behaviors of their employees. So why is, does this gap happen? Yeah. And like you, I walk into most companies and I see these things on the wall and I said, how many people know about this, right? Nobody even, nobody can articulate that. You ask them, what is the vision of the company? First of all, companies get it completely wrong. I mean, uh, the idea of, of vision and mission, they get it mixed up. Now, let's clarify a few things here. There's one important thing that's completely missing here is purpose. Purpose is higher than mission and vision, right? Is, is why you exist as a business, right? And it's not about making money. You need to have a deeper cause, a just cause to why you made this business. Whether you're making donuts or doorknobs, you're, you're bringing some benefit to the world, you're helping enrich people's lives in some way, that needs to be your foremost communication. Your vision is where you see yourself ahead, right? In five, 10 years, what do you want to become as a company? And your mission is how you do it. You know, you have your systems and processes, your unique things that you use to actually achieve your, your vision and your purpose. Now, most of the times someone gets in a room and says, let's write a few lines. They haven't given it deep thought. They haven't really articulated it. And they haven't actually involved people in creating this process. A lot of the exec team were left out. Someone came up with this. Maybe they've hired a fancy someone, you know, company to do this. And it doesn't feel like it belongs there, right? Secondly, they don't live it. What you just mentioned is there is no everyday manifestation of the values and, and what we believe in. Good companies who really know who they are and have great cultures, they live it every day. It becomes part of their vocabulary, their conversations, every meeting. They articulate this, they have culture champions, they're value champions, they bring this to life. And so they literally live it. And people can feel it on the outside as well. Customers feel that passion. They feel, wow, what a lovely company. I come in, people are smiling, they're happy. They, it radiates internally what is going on. And it's really, really powerful when you get it done. But I, I totally agree with you. A lot of my work is about fixing what I call the strategic vision, right? Which is the purpose, vision, and mission, and, and really getting that down. Because you don't, you don't spend enough time on doing that, then it doesn't permeate down all the way and then living it. Where does a company get their values from? Is it only from their leaders? Or is it from everyone within the company? Or is it from cultures? How does a company define their define values? Define their values. That's a good question. Values. How do you create them? A lot of companies and, and startups, they look inward to their founders as well and say, what do we believe in here? What is a few things that our company stands for? What do we genuinely believe in? And what kind of people do we want to align ourselves with? Having values, one thing is to express who you are, but it also aligns the right people with you. Right? So when you're hiring people, if one of your values is to challenge the status quo and, and challenge yourself, right? 
And then you use that in the interview process to find how are people doing this in their past job and you can figure these things out. So you look inward. If you're doing it at a later stage in a company, when you already have 40, 50 employees, you look at some of your best people and see what do they embody? What are the values that they embody? And pull those out. Debate, discuss, and then crystallize four or five values that you believe are important in this company that make you you distinctly you, that you can use every day in running it, also in the way you filter people coming on board, right? In your interviews and kind of people that align. The problem here is is alignment we're talking about. Once you get this alignment where you have the people that understand the purpose, they're aligned around your values, and then you've got a company that's moving together in the right direction. The problems happen when you have all these disparate things happening and people are pulling in multiple directions because there's no central thing that's holding them together. The glue is missing. And that glue is really your culture, the strong culture. I see. So let's say I am applying for a job in a company. And this company, I want to find out whether this company has a good culture or a toxic culture. So what kind of questions shall I ask in the interview? Or is there any way for me to find out whether this is a good company culture fit for me, other than looking at Glassdoor? Right. So today we see more and more people wanting to join companies that are aligned with their belief system. If you're passionate about, you know, green or saving animals or things and you believe that you want to grow in your own life, then you'll kind of see companies that empower that for you. So first of all, you'll go to the story, you'll go to the about us page, you'll look, you'll look at, see what they believe in, what they stand for. You'll go to Glassdoor. So we're talking about the employee journey today. You're going to do a complex piece of sussing out what this company is about. You're going to go to LinkedIn. You're going to see what people talk about there. Who could be your hiring manager or your boss? What does that person stand for? You know, do they have any content that they're putting out? So it's all these multiple things that you're going to create a perception. And so I think, you know, understanding these things. So if I'm growing, if I'm learning, if, if I have a sense of belonging and I'm, I'm doing meaningful work where I'm, I know I'm contributing towards something bigger, I know the purpose of this company. It's all articulated. It's beautiful. That's how I can get a sense of this is the place I'm going to work with. I mean, this is going to be my next few year journey with this company. So today, a lot of the people are looking for how can I evolve? It's not about what I can do for you. It's what, what you can do for me as well. And once the company fulfills that aspect for you, then you give 100%, right? You, then you're willing to put in those extra hours and give 100% because you're happy. Oh, yeah. I definitely do all of those things if I were to. I would do all of those things if I were looking for a job. I would look at the profile of my hiring manager. I'll look at Glassdoor. I'll talk to former or current employees of the company just to get a feel of it. So it's no longer about trying to impress the company in my interview, but it's a negotiation between, you know, like, is this right for me as well as am I right for them? And whether do I get something out of it or not? Yeah. I want to wake up feeling inspired. I want to go to work feeling safe, right? Safe that I can express my ideas and my thoughts and I know that I'm not going to be put down, you know. It's an open, wonderful place that I can share. And I come home feeling fulfilled at the end of the day. And that's a beautiful way to, to say, you know, this is a great company I work for. I wake up feeling inspired. I go to work feeling safe. And I come home fulfilled. A company deliver that today? That's something that a company should be asking. And when you do that, then you have passionate employees. You have people who want to go to work rather than have to go to work, which is a big difference, right? Yeah, definitely a big difference. And that I believe is the way we should live now because we spend so many hours at work. We spend 60, 70% of our, our lives at work with colleagues and with bosses and with clients and not so much with our families anymore, you know? So if 
60-70% uh, of our life can be just as beautiful as you have described it, then our entire life would be ever more beautiful, right? Absolutely. In your work as a business transformation consultant, I'm sure you have encountered clients with toxic cultures. So when helping them with their transformation work, what do you see are the common challenges that prevent them from transforming their culture from a toxic culture to a culture that is more thriving and attractive and innovative and creative. And so it's important to have to articulate the kind of company that you want to build early on to avoid massive problems later. People hire for positions to fill positions. They don't hire for culture fit. Okay. Um, Zig Ziglar, do you know about him? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he was one of the, the gurus of this and, uh, he says, uh, we have 120, I think, attributes. He went and did a survey with, with thousands of CEOs around the world and CFOs and his consulting work. And they said, tell me what you're looking for in people. And they listed all these things. And out of 126, I think 119 was all culture-based and only six or seven was skills-based. So in effect, what they're telling him is we're looking for people with our culture fit. And that's one of the things that we ignore completely. So let's say I'm just a regular employee in a company, right? And I realize that the company culture is in such a way where it's affecting me negatively. My well-being has decreased and a lot of it is because of the toxic culture. So quite often, if this happens, the employee themselves will end up leaving for another company. But if, let's say, I choose to want to try to do something and change the culture. What can this regular employee do? Granted, they're not in a leader position, so they don't have authority or influence. But is there anything that this person can do? Well, I think start with yourself first. You know, make a difference. You can show certain things about yourself, right? And little things like meetings and things, um, bring things up, talk about it. Talk to your peers, talk to HR about it. I think everybody wants to look good, right, in the company. And I think if, you, if you're passionate enough, I, I did that with my, my previous company. I think you can make change in a, in a small way if you feel that. A lot of people just prefer to just leave. And it's too much of heavy lifting for me to do here at this point. But creating an impact. If you are working with your peers, I think you can start something there, create a little collaborative team and work and, and then start there. And then other people see, oh, wow, that's interesting what's going on here with these guys, you know. How are they doing this? And you're showing results and you can actually make change and hopefully you'll move up in a better position to be able to do that. But having conversations with, with HR, with your supervisors, with your boss as well, because everybody wants to look good in the company. They don't know, a lot of them don't know how. They feel it's about control and authority, but you can just suggest other ideas. It's, today it's quite obvious, right? I mean, you go to Glassdoor, you said, this is a company that look at our ratings, you know, I mean, it's not really healthy. Let's do something about it. Bring it up, um, depending on what level you are. I think the first step is to people to acknowledge that we have a we have a culture issue here, right? We have something that is not working and there's ways to bring out. You don't want to rock the boat too much, but if you really feel that you can make genuine change and you are the change agent from wherever you are, then it's great because you can move up. You can show that you're really excited because ultimately the founder or the owner wants to have a great company, right? Nobody doesn't want to have a great company. So you're looking at, why are we not doing this? Why are we not preferred? Let's get some new ideas. Let's bring some people in from the other departments into our meeting. Why is it always us meeting? Things like that start changing things. And then people realize, oh, there's something, something fun. You know, you see the lunch clicks every time the same group going out. Why don't you bring someone else from different groups there? So merge people around, talk about things. Um, meetings is a great way to just, you know, cross-pollinate ideas, have a chat with HR, try and win HR over. But it takes a little bit of 
of work, but it can be done at a micro level. And then you start saying, okay, you start seeing results and then people get excited and then they give you more resources and things and you can actually change a company. Uh, one person can do that if you're really committed to. Most people choose not to and they say, I'll just leave because it's too much of work for me. Yeah, but that's Yeah, it. and sometimes the barrier seems unsurmountable because yes. you've got all these leaders who are behaving in a way that contributes to the toxicity of the yeah. company. And the thought process is, what can one person like me do? So quite yeah. naturally, this person might want to leave. I know people in, in those kinds of spaces. So what parting advice would you give to our listeners if they find themselves in a toxic company culture? Well, if you have to leave, then at least in your exit interview, tell them why. <laughs> <laughs> tell them what they can improve and help them, you know, sort of get better. Um, but it hopefully it doesn't come to that stage. I think your review should be quite regular, hopefully. That's another problem that's happening. Um, everybody waits for the year end. That's too far. You start. Be, you need to have regular conversations with your supervisors. And at that point, especially if you're new, I think you can. You have the outside eyes looking in. And in a way, you can tell them, oh, I, I feel that we could do this differently. I feel that we can do this differently. And your supervisor will feel good about it because if they've hired you and you're making a difference. And I said, do that, right? So I think do try and attempt to, to change make little changes, um, help the companies, um, you know, everyone. Read my book. There's lots of advice in there uh, about how you can make a difference when you join the company. You know, the idea is to help these companies. And, and if what is the one competitive advantage today? We're all looking for companies to be successful. Every leader wants their company to, to grow, to, to be successful, and for the people to be happy, right? Isn't it what every leader wants, ideally? In the time that they've led the company, or if they're a founder and owner, they want to be seen as successful. They want to be seen as having done something great. And so everyone wants this deep inside. They don't realize that this is it's moving in the other direction. But deep down, everybody wants this. So there is that alignment. At least that's a, that alignment. But they don't know how to go about doing it. So I think spend time yeah, yeah. from a leader perspective. Understand that culture is probably the most important thing that you need to work on to be able to give some time and fix, everything else will sort themselves out once you have this culture sorted out. And from an employee, you are aligned hopefully with the company that is aligned with what your belief systems are. If it's not, then you can try and change things if you want to really you know, be a change agent and take on a, something that is going to be challenging for you to do. That's always an opportunity there. So you are growing in the process. You're helping them. You're seeing things that is different. And I think it's it's a win-win for both sides. Yeah. So hopefully we're changing the landscape. And and leading my purpose, the reason I'm doing this is I, I, I just want to build, architect a better business world, right? I want to architect a business world where companies have great cultures, workplaces that really nurture and empower people to grow, uh, you know, build brands that are customer-centric and create wonderful customer experiences, successful companies today. And I think the culture is the one key thing that's going to make it happen here. So that's my work. I'm, I'm doing it one company, one executive at a time. Every talk, every, every project for me is so fulfilling because if I can change one executive, if I can change one leader, one founder, one company, I'm making a difference and helping build that better business world. And it's not just better business. You're helping to build a better world too. Yeah. So when you have happy employees, you have happier people and, and people would lead better lives and happier lives. So if our listeners like to get in touch with you, how can they do so? My company is called Transform and Transcend. That's my website. Um, they can have a look at that. Um, I put out a lot of content. I'm on LinkedIn, um, Ashok Miranda. And I also have a YouTube channel, Ashok Miranda YouTube, and also have Transform and Transcend uh, lately. So I'll be putting out a lot of content around culture. 
from both sides, from the employee sides and the company side as well. So do get in touch. My email is ashok at transformandtranscend.co.com. That's .co. So there's several ways they can get in touch with me and uh, keep in touch. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Ashok. It's been great. Thank you for having me over. That was Ashok Miranda, a business transformation architect and the founder of Transform and Transcend. We just spoke about curing toxic cultures. In our next episode, we will speak to Philippa Penfold, or simply known as PIP. She is the founder of People Collider with the mission to help HR to build future workplaces by bringing together HR and tech through research and education. We will speak about developing hybrid careers. This episode and contact details of our guest is available on our new website at www.leadersoflearning.asia that is www.leadersoflearning.asia If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox or wherever you download your podcast. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend, a colleague, or a family member, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast. Thank you.